0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look, delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you're listening to the Maps Step Back podcast.
1: Mississippi in the house. I represent on behalf of 707 and a step back. I rep Dallas too. Gonna catch a vibe, shout out all my people. Take a step back, reminiscing about the old days when I hooped outside with my friends and drunk that OJ. Crossover doing step backs in a pair of J's. These days I'm about my chips like a bag of Lay's. I ain't lying when I tell you niggas ain't the same. How you real when you sell your soul for the fame? Do anything for a dollar, I'ma stay patient cause I know God promised me a lotter. Looked up the Dirk and MJ instead of blue collar Excited at the idea of being a true baller Riding in the Benz of Copper and parlor Feeling like I made it, now they trying to holler trying to This holler. how we thinking life's supposed to be Media keeping all my friends close to me
2: How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of the Step Back, a Mavs podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined by my co host and DallasBasketball.com colleague, Matt Galatson. Uh, as you probably noticed, that's not our normal uh, intro that we use, but uh, that was the same artist, 66Drew. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Drew32AllDay. Uh, that track is called "Step Back." It's from his new mixtape called "Purgatory," and you can find him at Audio Mac at ADBJ1. Matt Drew is always doing great work. Uh, it 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 really I know we say this a lot, but in all honesty, it really does get better every single time. And that's just that's just a mixtape. That's uh, you know, it's like a little teaser for his full album that's that's coming out pretty soon too so uh what do you think about it
3: uh i mean like he, like you said man i'm just i'm speechless every time he drops something new he's been um he's been getting better and better and i i really can't wait to hear his, his whole album I'm, I'm super excited for it yeah really proud of yeah
2: him. Mavs, fan, mavs fans listening to this um uh, you know that that song that we use for the intro this time. I mean, obviously he, you know, he says he, he reps Dallas and uh, you know he, he mentions Dirk as being one of his uh, one of his idols and everything sports idols and uh, I mean it, it's it's really good stuff. Uh, check him out if you haven't already. Uh, we were we were kind of hoping that <laughs> we could get another custom. Uh, Intro song for the podcast, depending on how free agency went, if there were any major moves made. But I mean, obviously that didn't happen. It was free agency was kind of a letdown. The Mavs are still okay, but uh, it just it didn't really had to bring that up. (laughs) Well, I I had to because it's going to lead into our first discussion, Matt. Because even though we didn't have the you know the off season we wanted, the sky isn't falling. The Mavs still have Luka. They still have Chris Stops. They, they didn't make big, splashy moves, but every move they made, in my opinion, was a, a positive move. I mean, the roster got better. Uh, so, with that in mind, you know, last week, 538, they put out their way-too-early projections. And, you know, they're they're pretty accurate on this stuff. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what all they, they do with the formulas to... To come out with all these uh, these rankings, but you know, they're they're pretty spot on uh, most of the time. And in these initial way too early projections, they have the Mavs as seventh in the West. They have them winning 44 games, so they're going uh, to they have them going 44 and 38, seventh in the West uh, behind the Clippers, Jazz, Warriors, Lakers, Nuggets, and Rockets, and then the Pelicans as the eighth seed, uh, Matt. Initial thoughts here, I mean, I, you know me, I'm not shocked. I mean, I, I think this is about where they should be. Uh, but, I mean, looking at the Clippers at that 48 win mark in the sixth spot, I mean, if, if all goes the way it should, I don't think that would be out of the question. But uh, what, what are your initial thoughts on these 538 rankings?
3: Um, I like where they have the Mavs. I think that's a fair spot. I have a huge problem with the rest of it though. Um I mean I I just it's been a few days since I looked at it so I just, you know, gave it another glance and the Rockets in first is uh, I don't get it. I, I don't think the Westbrook Harden thing's going to work out that well. I mean, I think they'll be good. I think they'll be top 4 in the West, but number 1's kind of a a leap for me. Um the Lakers should probably be about third, I would think. Um the Clippers I think are way too low. The Jazz I think are too low. The Warriors, um, are way too high considering their, their health situation. Um but 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 aside of that, you know, they have the, the Grizzlies and the Suns ahead of the Kings. I mean there's a whole list of team like they have the Kings last in the West. I don't I don't I don't quite get that. They were on the verge of making the playoffs this year. They're only going to get better with more experience. They're a young exciting team. Um I don't know the, the whole thing seems kind of weird to me. Uh but I I, li- I like where a couple of the teams sit, but the um, the, the, whole, the thing the with the kind of it's kinda jumbled.
2: The thing with me is uh I don't the Rockets are definitely too high. Uh I think if all goes well for them they could potentially have home court. Uh but just, you know, just looking at it on paper it's kind of hard to see how Westbrook and Harden can can mesh together now, you know, now that they've both been the guy. You know, it's not it's it's not the same pairing that it was their first go-around in OKC because Harden was a six-man. Uh, he didn't have near the responsibility he's had in Houston. Uh, I, I definitely think they're a little bit too high. The Clippers one is interesting because, as we know, uh, Paul George, you know, he does have some some health concerns, uh, so there's, there's no guarantee that he's going to... Uh, play close to the full amount of games in the regular season and I mean if you look at their roster they've got a really good roster but you know aside from Kawhi Leonard and Paul George I mean it's not guys that that strike fear into you you know what I mean like
3: No, Lou Williams scares the shit out of me and so does Montrez Harrell. But
2: even Okay, so so you have Lou Williams, but past Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, he is a good player. He's a nice player. And he beat up on the Mavs last season too. But I mean he's just not he's not a go to guy. He's not somebody that uh, that can beat you if you if you properly plan for him and I mean I I think having a guy like Porzingis on the roster uh, having a guy like Boban that you can put in for short spurts and how massive he is I I think some of that could uh, could kind of nullify what uh, Montrez Harrell does to the Mavs or what he did to the Mavs this past season so I mean that's all I'm saying the the Clippers are going to be good and then you know once Kawhi gets in the playoffs it's all bets are off, but uh, I, I can kind of... I, I think
3: they're far and away the best best
2: team in the West. I don't even think it's close. Well, I, I, I think I can understand why they have them, uh, you know, as, as low as they do initially, you know, just, just from a regular season standpoint. And Matt, just to branch off of the Clippers for a second, we're not going to spend too much time on the rest of these projections, but... Uh, speaking of the Clippers, they they had their their press conference for Kawhi Leonard and and Paul George recently, and I know I know you're shocked by this. We're all shocked by this, but Steve Ballmer just absolutely lost his mind. It was it was one of the more comical uh, press conferences I've ever seen. And when I was coming back uh, coming back home today, I was listening to. Uh, Serious XM, NBA Radio, and they played just the audio from that press conference. And he was just hooting and hollering and everything. It was the funny. I was just, I bursted out laughing in my truck. It was the funniest thing ever. I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this now because, I mean, that dude is a nut. And you could just kind of see Kawhi Leonard and Paul George after about 30 seconds of rambling from Balmer is just kind of like okay,
3: <laughs> yeah. They both it, it looked pretty awkward. They both looked kind of like um, <laughs> what, what what is this dude doing? But the the funniest part about this whole thing to me is he's introducing these guys in a press conference full of reporters and people who were there working, like not just LA-based people either, like people from ESPN, people from You know, probably from The Ringer, from all all kinds of different publications that cover just the NBA at large, not just the Clippers. And he's standing there at the podium going, yeah, yeah, get up, cheer, (laughs) cheer with me, cheer. Oh, my gosh. It's it's one of the most absurd things I've ever seen at a press conference in my entire life. And I thought he was going to have a heart attack.
2: That's what I worry but. about. I, I just feel like he's he's so close to blowing a gasket. I, I genuinely worry about his health because he's so amped all the time. It's just like ha- the only person I've ever seen that is as close to just being jacked up all the time is my high school football coach. His name was uh, Joey Hawkins. And we would run the track – Around the track, you know, before practice or during summer workouts or whatever, and he would go up to the press box and he would have Michael Jackson music just blaring from the speakers, and he—he <laughs> he, would—he would—he was a huge Michael Jackson fan, but you know, he would have a uh, uh, "Beat It" and all, you know all the other popular songs just playing. He'd come back down to the track and he'd like be jogging with us and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you gotta. You got to give it to a guy like that. Like man, he he's really enjoying life and everything. But <laughs> at six in the morning, running around track and all that, there, there's sometimes that it just doesn't it doesn't call for stuff like that. So that's who Steve. Ballmer. I don't know if I could
3: get that amped to work out listening to Michael Jackson.
2: Well, it doesn't matter what, we've, what we thought we could... <laughs> it doesn't matter what we thought. He was going to play it because it got him amped. <laughs> we just had to go with it. So, But anyway, well, shout out to Coach Hawkins. I miss that guy.
3: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Ballmer's insane. I don't know if he spends his entire life living at that level of energy. I, I mean, I seriously doubt it. Otherwise, he wouldn't be alive right now. But, man, he... He has a reason to be excited. I mean, he got two of the best players on the planet, first of all, and also two of the best defense, probably the two best defensive players on the planet on the same roster. And he added it to a really good, you know, solid team. And they're about to move into a new arena. And they got the Lakers across town. And they're kind of kicking the Lakers' ass right now. They did in one summer what the Lakers have taken, you know, two or three years to accomplish and the lakers roster is outside of kd i mean outside of lebron and ad is kind of trash isn't it it's a little trash
2: <sighs> i don't know i mean they I, got
3: danny they got danny green which i want a danny green but then they did, i mean they, the guys that they re-signed off of that team from last year i mean like
2: I, I i get i get your point I get what you're saying, but man, that, I don't think people realize, I mean, the, re- the rest of the roster is what it is, but LeBron and Anthony Davis, that, I mean, it's just, that's going to be a really, really tough combination to stop.
3: No, I get it. I, I get that. But I think, okay, I think the Clippers are a deeper team. I think they're less um, dramatic. The the personalities in that locker room are good locker room personalities. Kawhi's a good locker room personality. Um and then when you look at the Lakers, it's like Contavius Caldwell Pope, <laughs> DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> yeah. AD, we we know what A D and LeBron are like in the locker room, JaVale McGee, Rondo, Lance Stevenson. I mean, what is this? It, oh, and and Kosis and Tinacupo.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If
3: he if he gets to hang out on a two way.
2: Yeah, I love how you get all this. I mean, everybody's just starved for Laker content, apparently. And saw that article the other day. It's like, what will Costas Antetokounmpo bring to the Lakers' offense? <laughs> it's like he's he's like, on. What have they been watching? He's on a two way. He's not even going to play.
3: But yeah, I don't know what I don't know what they think he's going to bring. I mean, I, I like Costas as a prospect, like the. The rawness of his game and, you know, what he might turn into maybe one day. But it was always a long shot. Yeah. And, you know, now he's in probably the worst locker room in the NBA.
2: Well, so, I good mean, luck I, to him. good luck to Kostas Co- Antetokounmpo. Uh, but it's now time for Reeves Hive. Uh, that's in full effect. Even though they the, the Mavs turned around and gave... Antetokounmpo's two-way to uh, Antonius Cleveland. But that's okay, because I think eventually Reeves is going to get a two-way contract. He's going to take Macon's two-way, or they'll they'll sign him to that 15th uh, roster spot once training yeah. camp comes around.
3: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I don't think that the two-way thing is... At all finalized right now. I mean, yeah. Antonius Cleveland maybe, but they can always go back and forth on these things and yeah, and move yeah. people back and forth. So yeah, um, but he'll he'll definitely get some time with the with the big league club.
2: Yeah, but in the meantime, uh, you know, all things considered, what we've talked about already. Uh, like I said, the Mavs, the five thirty eight projections, they have them as seventh in the West. Uh, that that makes me smile. Makes me not feel like I'm completely crazy uh, for having the the optimism that I do uh, about the Mavs going in the next season. But man, like I said the other day, you have two. If you have two 20 point or 20 plus point scores on your team, like Luca and Chris Stapps, that I mean that's that's going to be a hard duo to beat. Just like I said, LeBron and AD is a hard Uh, duo to beat for Los Angeles for the Los Angeles Lakers I mean that it's a little bit different tier because they're they're more proven more established stars but it's the same concept they work good off each other it's going to be a hard combination to stop so uh, we might get into a little of this uh, later on in this episode but guys uh, stay with us we're going to take a quick break we're going to have our guy Kirk Henderson from Mavs Moneyball with us on the other side All right, guys, we're back. Uh, we've got our guy, Kirk Henderson, we're here with us tonight, but uh, I'm not going to be doing the introduction. I'm going to let Matt take it over. Turn
1: around. Oh, God. Look at what you see. <laughs> In her face, the mirror of your tree.
2: I tried to get him not to do it, guys.
1: Written on the pages is the answer to a never ending story.
3: That's right, everybody. We have. Falcor himself, the mythical luck dragon of Mavericks basketball Twitter, Kirk Henderson, joining us tonight. I just I couldn't be more excited that that
0: that that movie is now back into some sort of you know cultural uh, relevance, and now people don't people like like children are going to have to recognize what the creepy rat thing that my uh, avatar is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look it up. Uh,
3: hey, don't disrespect Falcor like that. Well,
0: uh, well, I chose him as my avatar years ago because my I, I made the first few people I was following mad because my original avatar was My Little Pony uh, superimposed on top of the Mavericks logo. Oh, so, yeah, that made people mad. But you know, so, you know, maybe people would like that now because My Little Pony is big again.
2: Well, <laughs> I, all I know is I, me and Matt went back and forth like for two days when we when we knew you were coming on here, like. We're definitely going to play the song from Stranger Things. And I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know, Matt. I don't know if we should do it, but there we go. <laughs> well, I really
0: recommend, if you've never seen NeverEnding Story, to watch it. It's one of, it explains a lot about how weird the 80s was in one movie.
3: Yes, that's true. And also, it scared the ever-living crap out of me when I was a kid. Um, but going back and watching it older, I uh, I have a new appreciation for it. And obviously, Stranger Things season three was fantastic, and it, re- it reignited my uh, my love for the movie, so had to include it.
2: I've I've got to say thank you to you guys for pressuring me into watching that because I binge watched it for three days to finish it from season one to season three it was it was incredible i really enjoyed you it.
0: Feel, it it made you feel feelings yeah. i'm really excited for you yeah
2: i felt feel, felt feelings but <laughs> well kirk how is life going right now we'll, we'll talk maverick stuff but how you doing in in the in the dc area
0: well i before we got on the phone here i just spilled a drink uh, all over a pullout couch, which I, meant I was deconstructing. Matt, my, I told
2: you uh, it was couch. him. <laughs> oh, <So>,
0: you know, <laughs> life is uh, life is okay. Not uh, no no real no no complaints. I just you know. Have to, uh, i'll have to explain to my wife in the morning why the couch might be stained but uh, that's a
2: problem for a different day <laughs> <laughs> when he told us that i told Matt, i told Matt, uh, yeah kirk spilled something he was like no it's probably his kid and i was like no it was kirk no, it was definitely me. <laughs> <laughs> well we'll we'll jump into some Mavs talk now uh, kirk but uh, about a week two three weeks ago i can't remember how long it's been we we were kind of briefly touching on uh, Luca and you know what his his second year might look like what kind of leap could he take and will he take in this in his second season and I know I mean if you look at a guy like LeBron James and I've called Luca Eurobron before I mean and I'm really not even like kidding about that either I mean I, I think he really could be the European less athletic version of LeBron. But if you look at a guy like LeBron, his the way he raised his level of play from year one to year two, do you think that Luca is capable of doing something like that? Or where, where, where do you think he can get to next season versus where you expect him to be?
0: I mean, a lot of this for me is if he just does a couple things a little bit better, his numbers are going to look astronomically different we keep talking about you know what like what's his ceiling for year two and i i i don't entirely know but i'm looking at a couple of things right now which are just hilariously bad he shot 32.7 percent from three and then he shot 71 percent from the line like what happens (laughs) to his numbers if you ratchet them up to like 35 percent from three and maybe like 75, 77% from the line. Is he scoring like a point and a half or two and a half points more a game because of things like that? And and that's really where I have a hard time, uh, you know, projecting him. It, it's bound to be better just because he's going to be passing to at least one guy who can hit a shot in Porzingis, and I think that's going to make a real big difference. I didn't... I, I still have never looked into this because I'm, I'm scared of how mad I would get, but I'm wondering how many assists went just to uh, Dwight Powell following all the trades. Because I felt like Powell's yeah. the only person who could finish a shot. So, it's... The statistical performance is going to be really interesting. Like, he's still going to have to rebound a ton because nobody... He's easily the Mavericks' best rebounder. Um, so, it, it you know, are we going to be looking at, you know, just, just like a statistical deviation in the right in the positive direction where he's like doing like 20 23 points you know eight rebounds and seven and a half assists like I would lose my mind like that would be incredible because at this point I'm I'm really just kind of hoping for him to put on a repeat performance with more efficient numbers but there's nobody else in the team to do some of these things so I think he's gonna have to I think he's gonna have to you know increase his numbers
2: yeah, yeah, and I the assist thing is something I've I've really gotten excited about as I think about the season that's coming up because, like you said, there were a ton of bricks after the uh, after the trade deadline. He had some incredible pass. He can find anybody in any amount of space, uh, but you know they just couldn't finish the shots. And he still averaged what almost six assists per game. So.
3: Exactly six assists. Yeah,
2: so I mean, uh, I mean, it, it, having somebody like Seth Curry on the team, who you know he the the lowest three point percentage he's had in his career for a season is like forty two point five percent. He's a forty four percent three point shooter for his career. I mean that helps a lot. Uh, Delon Wright, uh, he needs to work on his three point shot for sure. But I mean, uh, he's a good. He's supposedly, you know, a good slasher. And I haven't really done a lot of homework on him lately, but I've been following uh, what Bobby Corral has been putting on Twitter about DeLon Wright. But, uh, Kirk, we, Matt and I were talking about this before you came on in the, in the first half of this, but everybody's disappointed in the off season, No question about that. Didn't go the way we wanted it to. But the moves they did make were all positive moves. Like, it – even if, it, if some people think it only marginally improved the team, the team is better than it was before free agency. Uh, yes. So, I mean, I, where, where does the fan base need to be right now? I mean, should we still be mad about how free agency went, or is it time to kind of just move on and uh, look forward to what we actually have on the roster now? Uh,
0: I mean, it's absolutely time to move on. I think the only real problem, is that the discussions that we've been having, you know, you wrote an article about Josh Jackson that was pretty good making the case for him to start. The problem that we're going to keep coming back to, and this is just going to exist until the Mavericks make another move, is that if they had signed another person, doesn't matter who, of starting level caliber, we might not be having that discussion about who the fifth starter should be or who the fourth starter should be. So that's going to be one of those things that I think a lot of us who just like like to talk basketball in absence of anything else to do in the middle of August are really just going to have to kind of learn to live with, because until we see them playing, a lot of it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, you know, I, I agree with you that there's really, it's really largely a, a, a thing of, of, you know, what do we have to look forward to? And I think in that regard, there's just a ton. Um, I don't know. I, 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 we've been talking on on Twitter in a direct message channel where the three of us share. I'm really interested in the schedule. and I, I could be wrong, but memory serves the last time the Mavericks didn't get the crap kicked out of them in the schedule in the early part of the year was the year that uh, OJ Mayo and Darren Collison were the the, the lead guards to start the year. There's this weird stretch where they the team, Minus Dirk shot sixty percent from the field for uh, something like three straight games. It was just bizarre. So if if the schedule comes out and these guys have a favorable opening where they could play in the neighborhood of five hundred basketball in twenty nineteen, then that's really all. I think that that would be a, a something that'd be worth you know cheering for because this many guys that that are learning to play with a new very important piece like Porzingis, it's just going to take time. And if they could get, you know, some combination of Eastern Conference opponents or, you know, uh, teams that, you know, like the Lakers or whatever, they're going to be doing load management or whatever that nonsense is. I think that's really the the path to kind of an interesting start to the season because I don't know about you guys, but, like, I really believe in, like, team momentum because there was a period – at the end of 2018 where the Mavericks had played like a ton of home games and had just won all of them yeah, and really looked like they could do something. And then Bray got hurt to start 2019 and everything kind of went to hell in a handbasket from there.
3: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, the schedule is going to play a huge part. I mean, they can't come out. And, you know, the last two seasons, the very beginning of the seasons, they've been, um, <laughs> I guess, saying – uh, to say they had their heads beaten in um, would be a little <laughs> – but they've been bad. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to see what the schedule is when they come out. I I, I still think that there's going to be another move that they make this, you know, this summer or early in the season maybe. Nothing huge or, um, you know –
2: I just want roster
3: I, roster shaking. I'm not saying like the Dragic. Dragic I was trade. about to say, I, I really saying.
2: hope that happens for you, by the way, because like I've, I've I haven't felt I legitimately felt bad for Matt when the reports came out that that trade had gone through and Dragic was coming to the Mavs, and then it was very short lived. And I've never seen Matt so depressed in my life. <laughs> I, I really hope they circle back and make that happen for you.
3: <laughs> that that would be a trade deadline thing, probably. But I, I can't I can't even begin to think about that right now. I'll get sad. Um, but the the key for this team is is uh, it's exactly what Kirk said: learning to play together with these new pieces and with especially with Porzingis, who's I think is going to play very well off of Luca. There's nothing to suggest that he won't, if you know, if his health
2: holds up, which is it is a big if um well let me let you know it's let me throw this at both of you guys real quick you know obviously there's some question marks uh around the team Justin Jackson showed some really good stuff towards the end of last season but especially as a starter even though it was a small sample size uh DeLon Wright he's supposed to be a really good fit with with Luca at least on paper uh, Seth Curry, he's supposed to be good. So, I mean, there, there's, a, we just don't know how it's all going to mesh. But just looking at the team and looking at guys like Jackson Wright, uh, they signed Bobon. Uh, just overall, from a roster perspective, has Rick Carlisle ever had a team with this much size on it?
0: I mean, they got the two biggest guys in the league. <laughs> Porzingis and, and, and Bobon are the two tallest players in the league. So I, I, I really – I want to say the 2011 team had a ton of length just because they had a number of like six, seven guys they could toss at teams. But that's, that's kind of an interesting question. What what I want to watch early on is up until – there was a long period of time where, where Luka Doncic didn't play against second units, and it drove me crazy. Yeah. Where they were very married to like their – their lineups and their rotations. And I really couldn't understand why. Um, and, and it, when I, that's what I'm going to be interested in seeing because, you know, no matter who you kind of prefer as their starting lineup, I do think we're going to see, you know, probably eight guys rotate in and out of the starting lineup there over the course of the year. And they're going to try things and experiment. And I want to see if they learn from their experiments. I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a super awkward confrontation with one member of the media, I don't remember who, and Carlisle, when they talked about uh, Maxi Kaliba's plus-minus, and Carlisle got kind of offended at the suggestion <laughs> of, of you know, well, of course we noticed that stuff. And then, like, two games later, all of a sudden, Maxi was playing more. Um, I, I, I just, I, I just kind of wonder what they're seeing in their data versus – this is going to be the first year where I think, in a long time, where outside of their starters, you know, their two best players who they know they're going to get minutes for, regardless, I don't think they have any egos on the team to really worry about assuaging uh, anyone's playing time. And so I, I hope we see some like really wild experimentation from Carlisle. I mean, like the running joke forever is that he just loves to play guards. Well, you know, yeah. just like you said, Dalton, like what happens if you give him a bunch of six nine guys? Like, what's he going to do?
2: Well, see, it, it's interesting, too. I, I think Bob Vulgaris, the, the longer we go since they hired him, I think he's going to continue to have more and more of a say in the roster building. And I think he probably had something, you know, a, a big say in the DeLon the Wright stuff because I don't know, I don't remember if I sent this to you guys or not, but uh, me and uh, Blake Weir were talking about, right one day and he sent me uh these advanced stats you know uh they were separated out like when delon played point guard versus shooting guard he was there were like so many sections of those advanced stats when he was playing shooting guard he was in like the 93rd to 96 percentile you know in a good bit of those categories when he when he was just specifically playing at the shooting guard position, which is what he would be doing, I'd imagine, next to Luca. So I kind of wonder if they look at that kind of stuff or Bob Volgaris looks at that kind of stuff and is like, hey, you know, Wright played pretty good towards the end of last season when he was used a specific way. He could be used that way with Luca, and, you know, maybe you have something there.
3: Yeah, well, I are, do we know how much they're using Volgaris to this point or how much they've used him. Like what Kirk was saying earlier, they were they were so married to that awful lineup that wasn't working with Wes Matthews and DeAndre Jordan and you know, it, it it none of it worked and they stuck with it for almost the entire first half of the season. So you wonder what kind of impact he's actually having on any decisions they make, any guys they're playing, any
2: any lineups they're running on the floor. Here's my argument for that though. Volgaris was technically hired i mean he may have had some input before he actually got hired if they asked him for advice but i think he was technically hired last october uh somewhere around preseason if i'm not mistaken so Uh there haven't there hasn't been any major you know the the porzingis trade was the first major roster move since he was technically hired and this was his first free agency period being with the team and all that so I mean, he really hasn't had a chance to. I mean, he could probably can tell him like, yeah, this guy would be good. This guy would be good behind the scenes, but unless an opportunity comes up for them to get said players, he really hasn't had that chance. So, I mean, I I could see him having uh, more of a more of a say in what happened this summer, given how things worked out for him, uh, than what people might think. But, you know, like they they say that they had DeLon Wright as a main target from the beginning. Like, I, I, I kind of believe that. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that approach, but I kind of agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I wonder if, if that's why they had him as, you know, one of their main targets. I don't know.
3: I don't believe that, but...
0: <laughs> you know, with... with we're going to... This is so tough, because... You know, we I think it's collectively fair to say that our fan base loves Rick Carlisle. Because when he's not mentioned in, like, a national conversation, we all behave like protective dead mothers, (laughs) where it's like, what about Rick Carlisle? I dare you. But when it comes to, like, the game-to-game stuff, we also collectively lose our minds, like, what is happening. And... Though I am personally terrified of the man, I sometimes have wondered, since following 2011, when Dwayne Casey and uh, the, God, Portland's coach slipped in my mind. Terry, um, Terry, Terry Stotts. Stotts. Yeah, I've often wondered what I've often wondered what would happen if he had different uh, uh, associate or assistant head coaches. Because I mean, the man just knows so much about basketball but I really also think that in certain things, he's just so set in his ways that it takes a very persuasive argument to change his mind. Um, It's, it's, that's one of these things where we're really going to, really gonna have to watch because I think that some of the, the tropes about him, you know, that he doesn't develop players or he doesn't like rookies. Like those, those things just aren't true. We, we know that like, you know, certain point guards and things don't, well, he doesn't like them, but it, more or less, you know, it, he's looking for a particular kind of player. And I think that now everyone is kind of on the same page in terms of, you know, what the front office wants from a player and also what Coach Carlisle wants from a player. And I really, I'm interested to see how that will work given the kind of, of guys that they've assembled around one another. Like, I think Dalton really is right about the size because you know the mavericks might not be a very good defensive team this year but they're at least going to be enormous and you know you, you, I, I always laugh about the fact that uh you know trey young finished like something like five hundred and twelfth out of 512 players yeah for espn's defensive <laughs> plus minus
2: he's at the very and bottom that's
0: largely that's largely because he's six foot two like 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 what happened like just having big people on the floor taking up space like is a defense in its own right so i it's going to be a lot of like it's going to be a lot of fun early on because i think that the mavericks will at least remain like tangentially competitive like i'm not as high on them as you guys are but like the difference like i have their in my head i have their over under like at 38 and the difference between that and 41 is really kind of marginal in my mind because enough of these games are decided by, like, a single basket or a bad call or, you know, Luca not getting the ball at the end of the Blazers game because Dennis Smith wants to dribble out of uh, regulation time you know things like that just happen often enough to where there's a number of games that you can just toss up in the air like the mavericks could very easily finish you know like 43 and and what is it 39 and and you know we'd be ecstatic yeah. because that'd just be a heck of a season
2: yeah yeah and i mean look just just touching on the on the carlisle thing real quick too it's kind of like in in my opinion this is just like something i was thinking about when we were talking or. You were kind of questioning uh, where we stand with him, but it's kind of like how people say certain players, like take Draymond Green for example. They people call him a 16-game player because you know he he may coast a little bit through the season and not seem like he's that good, but then you get to the playoffs and you know he's all of a sudden really good. I mean that that's kind of Matt.
0: Are you okay with this? Are you okay with this take, Matt? I, I need
2: to know. <laughs>
3: Uh, <laughs> Matt has
2: Matt has to admit that Draymond is good when he gets to the playoffs. <laughs> he,
3: he was great in the playoffs. When I said what I said last season, he had had one of the worst regular seasons I had ever seen. He was a, horrible. A eighteen million dollar player have in my entire life, so I, I had a defense. It's a great take, but, but I, I he think made it, me look like an absolute idiot in the playoffs.
2: But I, I think it's kind of the same thing with Carlisle. You know, if you don't. If if you put the right players around him, you know they they don't have to have the best season ever. But if you can get in the playoffs and he has the right players around him, he can outcoach anybody that's across from him. So, and I mean, we saw that in uh, twenty fourteen against the Spurs. Which, oh, Kirk, help me out. Who wrote that piece? recently on uh,
0: was it uh I, every day should be saturday
2: uh i i think so TV, i don't know
0: DBS, it was a great great sb nation look back at that at yeah. that uh, 2014 playoff series but you're right no you're right and 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 that's one of the things that i i plan to argue with some of my national media friends this year where you know Carlson just hasn't had a chance. So yeah, he might not have had a great few years. Well, that's because the Mavericks have not had a great few teams. So it's it's I don't, I don't know. I I'm, I'm the idiot who brought him up in this situation, which I feel like I'm going to regret. But I, I'm just <laughs> I'm just curious to see if the Mavericks are going to be willing to be flexible because the one thing that I am really interested in is where the Mavericks think they are. I, had, I went into the offseason thinking that they are being a little big for their britches in terms of, you know, they got Luka, they got uh, Porzingis, they have a ton of cap space. Maybe they think they're ready for something big. And then when Kimball Walker, Kimball Walker signed elsewhere, that really threw everything for a loop, and then they seemed to kind of recoil. But now that they have kind of this team of guys who they seem very comfortable with, like, what does that mean? because if the season doesn't start out particularly well what do they do you know yeah. do they really get wild and experiment like i i'm just i'm curious because it's it's such an interesting you know part of the rebuilding process because they're right on the cusp of being very they're just they're they're this close to being really good
2: well I, and i we we've talked about this a little bit before but if they would have been able to sign kimba that that would have been basically all they could have done this summer. Uh, you know, it would have taken up all their cap space. They still could have made some minor moves, but you know, they probably still could have ended up with Delon Wright too. But uh, if they had made that move and given Kimba a max contract, that would have been pretty much it for this summer. Now, past that, I don't think they were willing to give give out big money. Because, in my opinion, it's my theory, and, you know, when we had Will Kane on a few weeks ago, he told me not to even put this in his mind right now. He didn't want to think about it, but but I really feel like they're thinking, like, okay, well, we're not going to sign players to any deals that might cripple us going forward, and as it sits right now, they're set to have max cap space again in 2021, and I know everybody will groan at me saying that, or a lot of people will, but... I mean, that's just. I'm that, groaning
3: that, right now. That's
2: how they're, but that's how they're set up right now. I mean, yes. that you you have to know as much as they love Giannis. Well, as much as Donnie loves Giannis, and you know he's been scouting him since he was what 14 or something. And you know they they know they messed up that situation in in the 2013 draft. And I really think they're kind of looking ahead, saying, okay. We'll get a couple of years of Luca and Kristaps playing together, and you know maybe we can try to convince Giannis to come in 2021. And I that may not be what people want them to be doing, but I I really think that's what they're kind of thinking about.
3: Here's my problem with that. Um, this year was unprecedented in terms of stars moving teams. I think it was something like now after the Westbrook trade it's it's like 10 or 11 all-stars from this past all-star game or whatever have have changed teams. I don't see that happening again anytime soon. Also, besides the fact that you know they have their horrible past history of with free agency that you know we wrote about a lot on DallasBasketball.com over the summer, uh, I'm trying I'm trying to figure out a way to say this, but cap space, cap space is Bullshit. Cap space is bullshit. You don't need cap space to go out and make big moves. And the the Miami Heat proved that. The uh, the Houston Rockets proved that. The Oklahoma City Thunder proved that. And the, the fact that they're using this... And we, we talked about it a lot on Twitter. The fact that they're using this as some sort of big asset moving forward that they have to preserve, I think, is very short-sighted and the wrong way to go about things.
2: Well, look, like I said, I don't necessarily think they went into this summer caring as much about it. But, you know, once they, they put the time and energy into, you know, zeroing in on Kimba, and then, you know, he left, and they kind of knew, like, well, we, we don't have a shot at the other guys. So, I mean, it's kind of like, well, we're, we're not going to sign players to – like Bogdanovich went to Utah. I think he's making, like, $20 million a year over the next four years. Like, I, I don't think they would have even thought of doing something like that. I have a problem with that too, <laughs> and I love I love Boyan Bogdanovich, but I mean I like I said we don't have to agree with it. I just kind of feel like that's where that's where their mind is right now. I think that they think Luka and Kristaps can make them a playoff team, and you know if they show it for the next year or two that you know they can make the playoffs and they're what we think that they can be. Uh, maybe it can convince a a big time free agent to come in 2021, but uh, Kirk, we we touched on this in the first part of this too. Uh, the 530, 538 projections, way too early projections. Uh, has the Mavs as seventh in the West at 44 and 38. What do you think? I mean, I I'd be lying if I told you I know what goes into their their formula for doing this, but I mean, what what do you think? goes into that like i mean how much stock do you put into that because i mean they're they're pretty accurate most of the time i mean they have messed up but uh i mean they've been they've been pretty on it lately
0: my my problem is if their Draymond projections which is their defensive system plays into this which i'm pretty sure it does i think their their individual defensive metric system overrates for Kleba, and basically any rim protector. I am not I'm the kind of guy who I, I value wing defense <laughs> a lot and like the closest thing the Mavericks have to a wing defender is Delon Wright, followed by, you know, Josh Reeves. So I'm I'm a little I'm a little skeptical of, of that just because you look at the rest of the projections and I'm not sure if you guys have talked about this in another segment, but like it has the Kings as, like, the last yeah. team in the West, like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I don't, you know, I don't want to make fun of the Kings as much as the next Mavs fan, but, like, they're pretty good, at least they're interesting, like, there's an argument to be made for them to be something in, in a way that, that is also, it, it just, it's one of their, they're kind of one of the toss-up teams, like, that's where I would I would kind of describe them, so, I'm not entirely sure how to feel about it. Like it's it's always nice to see like six games above 500 would be amazing, um, but it, it just feels a little bit like an outlier projection right now. I mean, I know uh, one of the big Vegas books today came out with their over unders and put the Mavericks at uh, an even 500 for the season, which is is you know like I think that's kind of more in range of what we're talking about. I mean, it, it, the, this sort of stuff is so frustrating because it, it's you're having a discussion about possibilities without considering any of the external factors like injuries and things like that.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, we we did, we talked about the Kings part too. The only, the only thing I can think of, and I mean, I don't I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but when they traded for Harrison Barnes last season, they were still in the playoff mix. You know, they were. I think they were right there. They they could have been the seventh or the eighth seed, and then when they traded for Harrison Barnes, I mean that that kind of (laughs) changed quickly. So I don't know. I don't know. They collapsed. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I don't know if they're if they're putting most of that on Harrison Barnes, looking you know going forward to next season or not. But I mean, hey, that that that's the only thing I could think of. So
3: maybe it was because they lost Justin Jackson.
2: Yeah. you know what, I'm Matt? There was, I'm that is what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. You were joking, but I, you know, you just figured it out for me. So, Kirk, this is this is going to be the last thing we talk about. And you know, I, I, I kind of think I know where you're going to go with this. But, you know, Matt Moore, <laughs> he, he kind of got the wrath of of Mavs fans on Twitter the other day because. Uh, I think, Matt, was it the Pelicans and the Kings that he said the Mavs were far behind as far as as a team? I mean, I just, I don't know. I like Matt, uh, but, you know, every time I see him say something about the Mavs, I can't help but think, like, well, he's a Grizzlies fan, so. (laughs) Uh, Well,
0: I mean, this is this is a tough one because I'm going to talk about this with him if I ever actually start my own podcast, which, you know, I need um, John Gennaro from SB Nation to answer my emails. He will not hear this <laughs> podcast, though, so um, that's OK.
2: Send uh, it to him.
0: Basically, his argument boils down to I like I love Porzingis. I like uh, I, I like Porzingis. I love Doncic. And then everyone else might not be a starter. And I think that is an interesting argument from a fifty thousand foot perspective. It doesn't take into a lot of the details that we've talked about because, you know, he looks at things, you know, he works for the Matt Moore works for the Action Network, their gambling based website. I cannot recommend their their app enough it actually updates live scoring faster than the NBA. It's kind of incredible. Um,
2: <laughs> That's good to know, but, actually.
0: Yeah, no, it's wild. So if you're like ever on the road and like just want to check the score of a Mavs game, it's much better than the NBA app. Um, and it's, I think the Mavericks are going to be one of these teams that for a guy like him who looks at the daily lines are going to be obnoxious because there's shades in my mind that the Mavericks are going to be like, uh, like the 2002, 2004, like that range of teams that was just able to put points on the board. Because, like, I, I think we're going to experience multiple nights this season where Luca and Porzingis put up 30 or 30 or more each.
2: Yeah, and that's going to make that. them
0: really hard. That's just going to make them really hard to defend. But when you go down their lineup, you know we're sitting here talking about Delon Wright, who the three of us are happy with. But there's also reasons he hasn't started on any of the teams he's played for to date. He's 27 years old. Like, there's just enough where if you're a skeptic, like like he kind of is, that is really kind of the basis. Now, I'm with you guys where I think in the regular season, on a game-to-game basis, star power matters more. If we were talking about getting in the playoffs and you were talking about the depths of a team like the Pelicans, because the Pelicans are deep. They might not have the top-end talent, at least yet, but they have some, you know, they have pretty good players, like one to eight, in a way that Dallas doesn't. And I can see that argument. I don't really buy it, but I think we're also kind of talking about, like, like shades of gray here, because at the end of it, and I've actually asked him this, he still has the Mavericks ahead of the Pelicans in his win-loss totals so it's, <laughs> it's one of like it, it how like, does so that bizarre. Work? Like he went he went through all of this and, and and that's where he's ended up and I largely also think and, and I'm going to talk about this with him if I can ever get him on the horn I think some of this might be my fault because I just dunked on him all season privately about how good <laughs> Luca was um <laughs> Just, like, outright, like, Sean Kemp shit, where just out of nowhere, you know, dropping a box score and being like, tell me how good DeAndre Ayton is,
2: asshole!" you know, that sort of stuff. Oh, my God, I love it. <laughs> one, one more point about the Mavs. You know, you, you said that one of his, what how he's probably thinking about it is, okay, you've got Luka, you've got KP, and then the rest of the team, you don't have any starters. Well, the way, one thing I'm, and i and I've mentioned him a couple times before, but I really think that Seth Curry is going to be a lot better than what people think because he, you know, his best season as a pro was his first stint in Dallas before he got injured. That first season, uh, you know he he averaged like twelve points a game, and uh, if you look at the roster that the Mavs had then. I mean, it's not hard. It was not good. It was right. it was horrible. I'm looking at it right now. I mean, we had you had Andrew Bogut. You had uh, let's see who else is on here that we forgot about. We had Nerlens <laughs> Noel after Andrew Bogut. You know, Jared Youthoff was there for a little bit. Darren Williams. Uh, I mean it. It just it wasn't a good roster. And now you're pairing him, the 44 percent career three point shooter. Uh, who can handle the ball too? I mean, he's he's an underrated uh, ball handler, and he's, uh, in my opinion, I think he's an underrated defender too. He's not great, but uh, he had some big time defensive plays in the playoffs for the Trailblazers. But I think you pair yes. him, you pair him with Chris Dops and and Luca. I think he's going to surprise some people this year.
0: That's why I think this all comes back to what the the schedule looks like. Because if the Mavericks get off to a good start, that really cushions them mid season where like after game 30 or so teams become a little easier to defend because they're, they scouting reports on them. Like right now, the scouting report is holy crap. How are we going to stop that pick and roll? Like yeah. that's basically the only assessment of a scouting report because you don't know what else is going to happen with the Mavericks because I, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic despite feeling frustrating about the off season because it's just like, like the Mavericks haven't had two players this good since twenty. 20- Yeah, it's been a long time.
3: Yeah, I uh, my biggest problem with the with his uh projection is just the idea that uh I don't okay so I don't like New Orleans' roster at all outside of Zion who we all love and JJ Reddick's a nice piece, but you know a lot of that team is I like I like Drew Holiday but like a lot of that team is you know non-playoff contending Lakers so I I don't I don't get how they're even in the same stratosphere as Dallas I mean I can I guess you can kind of make the argument that um that you know they're, that they're they're comparable in terms of you know competing for for a back-end playoff spot but I think Dallas is you know from from one to one to eight or one to nine I, I think they're A more talented team i I may be in the minority on that but
2: um no well see that uh, that's the whole point that's the whole argument that i had with it is i mean if you want to say that that the mavs are you know they're unproven uh you know but they've got some talent i mean the pelicans are the same way you know that that's an unproven roster for the most part aside from you know drew holiday and jj reddick uh so I mean, if you wanna if he wanted to put them in the same category, there wouldn't be as much, you know, outrage of it. But I, to to say that they're far behind a team like the Pelicans, I just, I, I just don't no, see that at I, all.
0: No, no I, I I agree with that because I mean, Dan Devine of the Ringer basically put the Pelicans and the Mavericks in his same tier, which I think is a much more friendly debate because. You know, the Mavericks have an issue where, you know, their three through nine guys are kind of, you know, eh, up in yeah. the air. Whereas the Pelicans have an issue where I don't know how they're going to get – like, I actually do like a fair number of their players, but I'm not sure how they're going to play together because I feel like they need they have four guys who really need the ball in specific situations to be effective. I mean, Drew Holiday super – Uh, it's just it's so they're an odd roster I mean I would love to have a number of those guys on the Mavericks I mean like play Lonzo Ball is basically what I hope DeLon Wright is going to be like just kind of an off ball mover who's big and pretty good defensively on the metrics and you know if he makes a shot now and again you're happy like that's that's really what I'm hoping for from DeLon Wright and and you know it's they're they're just they're an interesting squad I think that certain people and I think you know we might even be among them like I really value Drew Holiday but I yeah. just have never seen him matter in a basketball season.
2: Yeah. I know he he mattered in the playoffs, you know, the last time they 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 made it there. Uh I don't even remember if they won a game against the the Warriors the last time they were in the playoffs. I just remember well no no no, I'm thinking the season before when they when they upset uh Portland. Yeah, they swept Portland season before last. Uh, you know, he was really good during that uh, playoff series, and he he really showed his worth, in my opinion. And you know, when Anthony Davis was traded, I was re- I was hoping I was like, oh please, <laughs> let the let the Pelicans just blow this up, and somehow the Mavs end up with Drew Holiday because he would be absolutely perfect uh, next to Luca. So I don't know. I'm with you. I I think if I'm kind of hoping Delon Wright can be somewhat like that next to him. Uh, like you said, I think it's probably more Alonzo Ballish than uh, than Drew Holiday, but I don't know. Like you said, there's not much going on this summer uh, at this point in the summer, at least. And you know, we have a, a fun season to look forward to. And Kirk, we appreciate you coming on and talking with us, and we'll definitely have you on. Probably sometime before the season starts again.
0: I love it how we're like I oh, we don't have anything to talk about, we talked for forty minutes. So, yeah, you know,
2: <laughs> look, you, <laughs> we 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 can find stuff to talk about. I mean, if we if we sit here and ramble for a little bit, something will come up. And thank goodness, right. for, thank goodness for Twitter, because we have people that mm-hmm. say stuff that make us mad, and we can we can ramble about it. <laughs> That's right. But Kirk, again, we appreciate it, Matt. You have anything to say before we head off here?
3: No, I just, you know, yeah, absolutely thanks, Kirk, and uh, I'm glad you took the the intro song we gave you well. I was a little worried there for a minute.
0: (laughs) Oh, no, I love that song, and I hate myself for it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) We're going to have to do it. We're going to have to do it from now on, and, you know, if this becomes a more regular thing, we are going to name this the kirk serious takes segment so well like that's a good well, idea I,
0: I think what you should do is you should play it for completely unrelated guests and see how they react
2: <laughs> we, that's a good idea we might do like, that <laughs> like yes, i'm pre- just you know cuban cuban's supposed to come on the the first week of training camp we might spring that on him and see how it goes
0: see he'd recognize it <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man all right Kirk we're not gonna keep you any longer. We'll talk to you later buddy. <laughs> be good guys. all right all right guys again that's Kirk Henderson. you can find all of his work over at Mavsmoneyball.com. you can find him at Kirk Serious face on Twitter uh, but yeah that's gonna do it for this episode guys. Uh, be sure to like rate and subscribe uh, you can follow us at stepbackmavs on Twitter. You can follow me at Dalton underscore Trig and Matt at Matt Galatson. Uh, But, yeah, we appreciate you guys coming in and listening to us every week. We've got some real good content coming up for you the rest of the summer and heading into training camp and the start of next season. But we appreciate it. You guys have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.
1: Flow, the mass, the best on the float. I'm wild, but yeah, I'm the goat. This gang get cold. Yeah, you might need a coke Your friends turn into your foe. But I'ma just roll. Gotta keep rolling your boat. Yeah, I swear I give them hope. I say I'm cleaner than the salt. This time of year proves who are really sick of float. Yes, yeah, the mavericks. All about action. Don't do no action. No Samuel Jackson. Dirk at the ball. You know that it's magic. Post move deadly. Yeah, get tragic. Yes, yeah, the mavericks. All about action. Don't do no action. No Samuel Jackson. Dirk at the ball. You know that it's magic. Post move deadly. Yeah, get tragic. In this game, it's a lot of grit, you know what I'm saying? Proves who integrity. Late nights, early mornings, but we all want the trophy at the end of the day. And that's the beauty of this game, because at the end of the day, only the real gonna float, man, for real. You either sink or you float. Only the real gonna float.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing
3: history.